fans, you've heard me talking about it pre-show for a while. If you haven't done it, please check out teachhoops.com slash 816basketball. Steve Collins has incredible, incredible content that you really don't want to miss if you're a basketball coach and wanting to grow. Teachhoops.com slash 816basketball. And if you haven't listened to the Competitive Mindset Podcast with Billy Kegler, a former guest on the Greatest Games Podcast, you're missing out. Listen to that show where guests share how they differentiate themselves and achieve high levels of performance through the lens of motivation, competitiveness, and mindset. It's the Competitive Mindset Podcast. Follow along on social media at Competitive Pod. Hello and welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast brought to you by 816 Basketball. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Rosefield, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris de Blasio. Thank you, Brian. Pleasure to be here as always on the Greatest Games Podcast. We're now into the triple digits of episodes here on the Greatest Games. We're so excited. We love to talk to coaches from around the country and have them tell us about their greatest games. As always, it can be their time as a assistant coach, a head coach, a college coach, a high school coach, whether they've played in Turkey, Poland, Israel, Japan, or Venezuela, just whatever game they consider to be their greatest game. I knew you were up to something pre-show there, Chris Lazio, <laughs> doing some, some, some feverish Googling, but uh, you're right. This gentleman that we have today has played all over the globe. He's got a pair of NIT titles when he played at the University of South Carolina. He has his jersey retired at Silver Bluff High School, and he is currently an assistant coach at Gray Collegiate Academy in West Columbia, South Carolina. Brandon Wallace, welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast. Hey, how y'all guys doing, man? Thanks for having me. Good to re- it, connect with my, my Gamecock guys. And he's someone we've known for about 20 years, each of us. Known Brandon for a long time. I couldn't believe how old he told me he was when we started, before we uh, came on the air. Right. You know what that means for y'all, though. That means if I'm a- <laughs> you guys are right there. <laughs> but if guys like you and Trey and Torrance and Ronaldo, you guys are in your mid-30s, man. That was, whoo. Yeah. You- a while ago. <laughs> Yeah, my, my hairline is definitely telling the story of, of my age, and uh, I'm not, not going to dispute that uh, that I'm in my 40s now, Brandon Wallace. So that's uh, that that's is true. Brandon, did I miss any countries? I, I might have missed one country. Uh, you forgot Cy- uh, Cyprus might not be on the Googles, but I spent okay. time in a country that was kind of shaky. Uh, yeah, Cyprus is, yeah, it was Mediterranean countries. but We did third world couple, stuff. We did it all, man. Played a couple teams in Poland, right? A couple teams. Yeah, yeah. Poland was a good stop, man. That was a good stop for me. Played for some interesting coaches. Tell uh, us about so so your coaching career is relatively young. You've, yes. you've basically just been there at Gray with with uh with Dion, who we, we had on yep. episode. Brian usually has that up and calls me on that episode seventy three <laughs> or something. <laughs> that would be uh, episode thirty. But go ahead. Okay. Was it episode thirty? <laughs> wow. Episode go. Yeah. Tell us tell us about the stops you had in your playing career. Just kind of quickly take us through those stops and where you went and, you know, kind of just your thoughts about being able to play all over the world. Oh, man, um, we can start right from the top. Um, right out of college, I got a chance to play with the championship Boston Celtics team. Huh? Um, didn't I got cut, unfortunately, um, right before Christmas. So it's a Christmas I'll never forget, Christmas of 07. Um, they actually brought on P.J. Brown and Sam Cassell. So – it actually paid out for him. I hope I was yeah, some veteran players. No, you get yeah, that. but it, it worked out for him. Um, from there, I went to the uh, G League. Um, it was the it was the D League then, but it was the Utah Flash out in 
Orem, Utah, I believe. Orem, yep. Mm -hmm. And then um, from there, I went to Turkey. I was in Merson. I played with uh, Chris Lofton and um, Lester McCaleb, who both are still playing overseas. Um, After Turkey, I then went to, I think Israel was right before uh, Poland. Then I spun a couple years in Poland. That was very interesting. Talking about a kid from Jackson, South Carolina, just like surrounded by snow and the coldest weather I've ever been. <laughs> um, from Poland, I think I went, I think I came back. Bakersfield? Bakersfield, the Bakersfield Jam. And I'll just <laughs> tell you, you can drop Bakersfield off and, and right outside of Batesburg, South Carolina and not miss a beat. <laughs> same height of trucks. I mean, it's the same same feel, man. Batesville, California. If you ever get a chance, please stop by and talk to those good people, man. <laughs> Bakersfield. Um, then I think I went from Bakersfield. I took a trip down to Venezuela. Mm-hmm. From Venezuela to Cyprus. And then I spent a year in Japan. Then back to the G League. I ended up in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Yeah, that's a, that's a armpits. Lot. Yeah, all the armpits of the world. And just, <laughs> I've been there, man. <laughs> so, so where in Japan? I know Chris has got follow-up questions, but I got to ask that. Akita, Japan. It's uh, northern Japan. Okay, okay. I'm assuming that's where the dog name came from, the fighting dogs. Yes, the Akitas, yep. Mm-hmm. Yes, but it's one of the cleanest places I've ever been in, man. No trash, nowhere. Everywhere they don't, they wouldn't, they didn't talk to you, but you know, they kind of acknowledged you being there and kept moving. <laughs> they didn't talk to you? That's interesting. Yeah, they didn't. Um, they look and took pictures, you know, tall guy. He looks kind of, <laughs> but uh, like interaction was at a minimum and it was cool. But I'll give you, if you imagine sitting in a timeout and your coach is talking for about a minute and a half and your translator speaks pieces of English. You can only imagine the amount of plays messed up. <laughs> that is, uh, that is, that's a great way to describe. I think the international basketball experience for so many Americans Absolutely. that go over there. Absolutely. I mean, the game of basketball is universal, but like my coach would be talking for a minute, and my coach, the translator, would be like he said, play hard. No, he did. <laughs> hard for a minute and a half. Yeah, he said so much more, but we're just gonna go with it, man. We're just gonna figure it out. <laughs> well, what I think, what I think is unique, Brandon. You know, I don't know how big a baseball fan you are, but obviously in minor and major league baseball, where there's so many Latin players that come over here, you know, I think people take for granted that experience. They just think like, why isn't that guy performing? Well, he's in a completely <laughs> different country. He don't speak right. the language. He doesn't know anybody. He doesn't know the customs. Right. I mean, that's the way you guys feel when you go over to those places. Absolutely. And um, if you're lucky, you'll have a, a veteran on the team that speaks decent English or maybe a kid that went to college in, in, the, in the States and speaks some English. But if not, man, it's, it's rough. I mean, you talk about isolation. You find out a lot about yourself. Oh. Mm. That's fast. You know, I'm you, sorry, bro. Yeah, you know, y'all, well, you might not know it. I love to travel. I was in Japan before the pandemic started. I was in Tokyo and went down south a little bit. So I see where Akita is. That's way north. But way north. you're right. It, what travel is such a, an amazing way to learn about yourself because you're right. It's uh, depending on where you go, people might talk to you. They might not talk to you. And if they talk yeah. to you, you might not understand them. And it's just, right. it's a fascinating experience. I just want to jump in there, Chris. It is, man. It, um, 
uh, so many places where you just go and um, you're just literally pointing at the menu, like <laughs> no onions. You're trying to <laughs> learn out a lot, man. You you know you kind of feel your way through, but eventually, you know, if you can stay at it, you can learn a few things, man. My last summer at South Carolina, when Coach Horn came on, we took a trip to uh, the Czech Republic, Slovakia, and Austria. And we were in Prague and Vienna, and then we were in the capital of Slovakia, which is Bratislava. But it, in, the, in the center of Prague and in the center of Vienna, you could speak English or you could find a waiter that spoke English. But, I mean, you get five minutes outside of the city, and they don't speak a lick. I mean, not a lick. They're looking right. at you talking in, in some Slavic language. You're talking English. And you're like, this is conversations going nowhere. Like this is, <laughs> right. right. You just start, just give me, I don't give me whatever. Just give me something to eat. I really don't care at this point. <laughs> right, man. It, it is something else, man. Um, it's definitely an experience, but it, and later on in life, you look back and you appreciate it. Um, it helps you adjust, you know, be able to adjust more. Mm-hmm. Come from Jackson, man. So anything is different. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, yeah, right. A guy from Little Jackson, South Carolina. Uh, tell us about making that transition from a longtime player. You obviously were a big time player in high school, played the SEC, the high, highest level of college basketball, all SEC performer, longtime pro career, and then making that transition to coaching. What was your thought process and how did that happen? Lies, man. If you can believe it or not, at 29 it was the roughest thing I felt like at that time I felt like I was kind of mad at the game and I was trying to get as further away from it as possible um during that time I mean because as you guys know I didn't finish college right away I came back and finished in um 2014 and that was uh I had a few jobs that that changed my mind on a lot of stuff I was like you know what man I got to go back and finish this thing um, some of the jobs that I had, man, you wouldn't believe it if I told you. Uh, most interesting ones was um, I sold door-to-door products for True Green. You guys know what True Green is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But who sells door-to-door anymore or even seven, eight years ago? <laughs> who sells door-to-door at six foot ten? <laughs> I mean, because you imagine – I had, and then my beard was a lot bigger during the time. But I did that for like a month. I was like, you know what, man, I'm going back to school, man. This <laughs> <laughs> but then um even after that i got my i got my degree in 14 um the great al daniels was still at usc he was my academic advisor so i was living in charlotte at the time and i was driving um monday tuesday and thursday down here um to columbia to take classes and finish up that degree so i got it in 14 and then um i was uh i went into um i was a freight broker at Total Quality Logistics. Hated it. <laughs> so I hated that job so much, man. And then I kind of fell into sales. Car, I actually like car. I was actually really good at selling cars. I worked here in Columbia at McDaniels, right over here at Kelly and Roseville. Mr. McDaniel, he's a huge Gamecocks fan. Um, but he gave me my first opportunity, and that was – I was still trying to get away from basketball, but then um, – Around that time, Coach Dion had called me. He's like, man, come on, man. I need you to do something. So I came in every now and then and worked with some of the kids. And then I kind of fell in love with it. And it's kind of been going since then. So about four years now. That's so interesting, Brandon. I obviously didn't know that. We, we communicate a little bit here and there, but not as much as I think either one of us would, would like. But um, yeah, 
Yeah, that's that's a, such an interesting thought, Brian. I'm just floored by what he said that he kind of wanted to get away from basketball. Like maybe it just wasn't, you know, maybe all your dreams weren't fulfilled. You you got to live an amazing life, but but right. maybe not the ultimate dreams were fulfilled for you. That's so that's really interesting. Right. The um, I think the thing was, um, for me when I had, I got that chance to play with the Celtics up until um, December, right before it happened, it left kind of bitter taste because I think um, nobody really grows up dreaming about playing and uh, playing in Poland and quiz Poland or uh, Akita Japan or you know I was in Cyprus, um, Venezuela. Thank God for Kevin Palacios too. Cause he kept me safe down there, man. Venezuela was a different world. Oh, was he? You still kept in contact with him when he was down yeah, there? Yeah, Kevin was there, oh, man. Kevin, great, Kevin man. was my guy. I was in the city, um, probably about 30, 40 minutes outside of the city. But you know, he told me where to go, where not to be. Mm. Safe down there, and I appreciate the care for that, man. So but yeah, just I was just kind of felt I had a I had a, a bit of taste about it, um, but coming jumping back in and helping the kids and trying to to be a bridge to reach places that, you know, try to be that person that I needed during that time period for those kids. So it, it really changed my outlook on it. And now I love it, man. I love it. it how long did it take for you to get over there at Gray? Dion calls you up. Was it the first five minutes you're working out with kids or was it a, a five week process for you to finally really fall in love with? Oh it? man, it was, um, it at least took a couple of weeks. Um, I go over there a day, I might miss a few days and I come back like, yo, come back. I need you to work with your kids again. So at least a couple of weeks. And then um, this was actually Jalik Felton's year. Um, so working out with, uh, working with some of the big guys from that team. And then, I don't know, I just kind of fell in love with it. Even then I didn't, I started, like I started coming to every practice and then I still was working at the car dealership. So I was trying to get to games when I could, but on my off time, I was always there with Dion. So it took a couple of years for me to actually start working at the school. So I had been there a long time before I actually got a job at the school. But I love it, man. Not just even helping the athletes, but the, even the regular students. Man. Um, it's, a, it's a challenging time period um, for kids going through high school, those teenage years. So just trying to be somebody that, that puts them in the right direction and be a positive influence. That's And that's what so many kids need. And, and I know you and Dion do a great job with that. I mean, Dion's affected your life. I mean, you've known Dion for a long time and, and other people that we know that Dion has coached over the years, what, what influence he's been on them. Right. Talk about the, the biggest transition from being a player to a coach. Obviously you took a couple of years, like you said, or when you started coaching and maybe you could call all your coaches and apologize, call coach Duckett and, and, <laughs> and be like, now I see what you were saying. Like what, what was that kind of maybe aha moment where you're like, Oh, I get it now. I think the biggest one is realizing that everybody doesn't have that same mentality of, you know, the, uh, the, the enthusiasm or the love for the game and then trying to find, uh, trying to find that common ground rather than standing over them and trying to force, you should be doing this, this, and this. Now let's try to make, let's, let's take what you do best and let's, let's magnify it and see how we can help our team. Let's take something that you're good at and let's, let's put it into this team format and, Let's make it work for you. Just trying to find a way to incorporate different skill sets without thinking about, well, I can do it. I could do it when I was your age. You should be able to do it. But just trying to find the good in each player and just trying to put it together as a team. Um, I, I took a, I think, playing for tough coaches, Coach Duckett. Um, I probably for Andre Ulam. If you get a chance to look him up, 
look him up. He is uh, he's from Slovenia, but he was the toughest coach I had. But I played for him for two years. Like every other American I played with hated him. He loved me for some reason. But um, we had a great relationship. And I think playing for coaches like Coach Duckett and um, some of the guys along the way, um, Tom Thibodeau was tough in Boston. He was my – you talk about a defensive-minded guy. Jesus Christ. It's like it's no side of the ball. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, y'all can do that stuff on the offense end, but on defense, you're going to be here, here, here. You're taking this away. I mean, I, I had a chance to be around some great defensive minds and just trying to trying to just feed in some of the stuff that I took from those guys to these kids, man. It's exciting. I, Brian, I'm going to interrupt here. That first part of your answer, I'll be honest, in 101 episodes, might be the best damn answer we've ever had to any question. Oh, wow. About not forcing kids, finding what kids do, especially for a, someone who has not been coaching long. I mean, obviously been around the game and played it for a long time. Brian, I don't know what you feel about that. I'm not kissing Brandon's butt, but that oh, was a yeah, tremendous it, answer. It's spot on. That's that's a, uh, that's a super mature answer for somebody who's been coaching uh, for about 40 years and <laughs> finally figured <laughs> it out. <laughs> so. Yeah, man. Just um, – and, uh, well, I don't know if you guys know, my dad was a high school coach for about 30 years here in Augusta area. My mom played college ball. My older brother played college ball. All of them played at Georgia Southern. So I've been around the game for a long, long time. Uh, maybe that was one of the reasons why I was trying to get away from it. But I think this is me, man. Basketball is me. I've embraced it. I mean, I love it. I still love it. Yeah, Brandon, I we were talking, obviously, well, pre-show a little bit talking about Duckett and he's now here, here he is again coming up a couple of times. And so, um, you know, we, we, we've talked about it on the show a lot and I, I can't remember off the top of my head what episode he was here. Um, episode 34, I see now. Um, but tell our listeners a little bit more about him as a former assistant at South Carolina that you played under um, and maybe some of those things that you now take with you uh, from, from him as a coach now. I mean, Coach Duckett was one of the best um, defensive minds I've I've ever encountered. Um, I came to South Carolina. I was very undersized. I was, I think I was 6'9", 160 my freshman year. Um, really didn't have a clear path to the court. But um, Coach Duckett came to me. Uh, Roe got hurt against Georgia, Orlando Howell. And Coach Duckett came to me. He's like, Brandon, I think you could, I think you could step in and help us right here. Um, defensively with your, your athleticism, you can come in and you can, you can rebound. You can probably, you probably get some minutes and coming from a high school kid that scored a lot of points to, um, accepting the role. Cause coach Duck was, he was a hard guy, tough guy to figure out my freshman year. Um, I just tried to stay out of his way, try not to get yelled at and film and just be where I was supposed to be. But, um, he, he opened up a whole different side of the court for me. Um, just his, uh, his wisdom and how he made defense fun. Like I'd never played for a coach that made defense fun and stopping people fun. And he wasn't a guy that it was, was uh, he was a guy trying not to give up zero points. If it was possible, <laughs> he, was, he was a guy that took you out of plays, but Coach Duckett was just a, a life changer for me. Um, I think he helped me become a pro because I, I really forgot about offense. <laughs> for the next four years, I was mainly a defensive player that rebounded and blocked shots. And that's how I got my opportunity in Boston was strictly just off of hustling defense. But Coach Duckett, he's just a, 
one of, one of the great basketball minds that I came across. And uh, I think he did so much for our staff and our team. And it goes unnoticed, you know, Coach Odom gets the headlines, but Coach Decker was a very big part of our success during that time. Yeah, I, I hear stuff like that and just reminded, you know, we just had Coach Glimp on for episode 100, and he was a, a, a tough coach, as you keep saying, a hard coach. And yet he loved kids, but he was also a hard coach. He told, he was honest. I told a story. Uh, he was honest with me and almost, you know, I, I was almost in tears because he was just so honest with me, which is exactly the thing that I needed. And it just sounds like just exactly the thing that you needed. And that's the thing that uh, we we're trying to highlight with this show. And we've had a lot of great coaches, including you on that. Just talk about that. And we, yeah, we all want to win games. We want to, we want our kids to sign and it would be, get all this media attention, but what are we really doing with our kids in the day to day and just helping them grow? And that's just, I love to hear an answer like that. Right. All right, man. Well, you know, the name of the podcast is The Greatest Games, and you sent in the notes uh, free show, which is some of the, the most humorous notes that we've seen. Uh, so go ahead and take us into the gym for your greatest games. I don't want to give it away, so go ahead and tell us about your greatest games as a coach. Um, so a couple of years ago, um, this is after um, Keenan, uh, Keenan beat us the Jalik Felton year, um, upper state championship game. Uh, we beat them three times during the season, and we all know it's tough to beat a team three to four times in a year. I, we knew that going in. But the following year, we still had a really good group. Um, Tommy Bruner, Jawan Gary, um, Khalil, Khalil Robinson, um, and we're playing Keenan High. Keenan is always tough. It's more so for us, I feel like we're more talented, but it's just Coach Norris is the X factor because he's going to switch multiple defenses. He's going to, you know, he's going to keep the coaching staff on their toes. If you got a weakness, he knows about it, and he tries his best to exploit it. So, um, I mean, we're at Allen University. It's a, it's a game that's going down to the wire. It's back and forth. I think at the end of it, it actually almost came to blows. But, <laughs> but anytime you're playing Coach, uh, Coach Norris, it's a well-coached team. Um, I think we end up getting a win. We didn't lose too much to them after that, as a matter of fact. But just playing anytime you play against a Zach Norris coach team is just something that I like because I'm a because of Coach Duckett, I'm a person that I scout. I scout your best player. I try to take away something just to mess the offense up, to break your rhythm. Um, with Coach Norris, is just it's always adjustment. And then you don't get that much, at least at the two A level. This was before Keenan moved up to 3A, but double-A ball in South Carolina, you don't get coaches that make a lot of adjustments. I mean, and just, it's always a pleasure to to see, uh, he's, a, he's a legendary coach here in South Carolina, um, just to see somebody that changes. I mean, so often we go into games and just continue to do the same thing and nobody never really figures it out. It's just, it's refreshing to have when you're playing against a coach that that makes you coach that it takes a group effort to be, even though his team may not be the most talented, he gonna always put his team in the best position to win. And that goes underappreciated. So salute to Coach Norris. <laughs> I guess that's funny you talk about that, Brent. I got totally scouted out yesterday. Man, yeah. his team had us down. I didn't, <laughs> we were, everything we did, they were right on. I was like, oh God. Talk, yeah. talk about that though. You, you talk about that you guys get to play Coach Norris or did there for a while. Would you guys talk about it going into the game, like you and Dion, the other coaches, say, all right, we got to be ready 
for when he does this, we can go yeah. to this, or when he does that. Talk about that pregame yeah, sort of talk so, between the coaches. Well, we do. Um, we don't get to do it often. I miss it now that we've been talking about it. But um, what we do is we we look at his most recent game, so we try to get a hold to him and then just see what's working for him. And if we just take away, we, we try to take away something, whether it's a, a ball reversal at the top that they always do or – um, we're going to switch and we're going to blitz every ball screen when they start calling out ball screen. Um, it was just the, the pregame prep for his games was always next level. Like we sitting down at a table and we talking about what, you know, like we watched the film the night before we go home and watch it some more. We watch it at school and then come to the table and talk about, you know, all right, how are we going to approach this? We know he going to do this because our, our guard might not be the best shooter. He going to back him off and crowd the lane, or he gonna double this guy on the block, or, you know, just trying to be ready for anything he can throw. But, and unfortunately we had some good teams and we're able to overcome a lot of stuff. Talent always helps. That <laughs> <laughs> does not hurt, that's for sure. Right, right. Um, but his, the approach to it was very different from anybody else we've played against. Speaking of Coach Duckett, by the way, Brandon, you just said blitz a ball screen. We call it green, just like Coach Duckett did. We still call yeah. it green. Oh, right? yeah. I have my kids green a ball screen, and they're looking at me, why green? Because that's what Coach Duckett called it 20 years. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Right. <laughs> right. It's a blitz. Um, if that ball screen gets down on the side, we icing it. We, it's a whole lot of lingo, man, um, that I miss. Because here, I don't know if it's because of the COVID year, but not many people are – are making adjustments like that. <laughs> yeah, this year's been – yeah, uh, I would agree with that. It's been kind of simple with – we've, we've had limited practice times, so that, right. that, I think, affects it. Right. I think so, too, man. Um, we've been uh, – we've missed a couple. We had two quarantine situations, so we missed at least a month of our season. Um, we got – I think we're 16-4. and four. But the reason we have so many games, we played a lot of tournaments preseason. Okay. Yeah. Well, we've had COVID, but we have this other problem up here in the north with this uh, white stuff that falls from the sky. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that is wreaked havoc. We've had about four. We've had two giant snowstorms and about four other snowstorms this yeah, last man. month. It's been crazy, man. That's uh, that's why I can't live up above the Mason-Dixon. Man. <laughs> it's too much up there, man. No way. After Poland? No, sir. <laughs> I experienced Poland in the summer, so it was a, a beautiful what country. What, uh, beautiful. What? Uh, I was in uh, Krakow and then went down to uh, to see Auschwitz. Okay. And um, Man, yeah, was, that's uh, the first place I've, I've I've seen. I had some teammates that they because they were nervous, they took shots before the game. Craziest thing I ever saw, man. But it worked for them. <laughs> Brandon, I I hear you on the coaching, and it's no disrespect to the other JV coaches that I encountered when I was a JV coach at Ridgeview, but there were a couple guys that really stuck out, Jacob Lurie being one of them and JoJo English being the other. And it was a real – I actually got to coach, and I know there were other ones, but those are just the two that really stick out. And it was was great. That's the way, my opinion, basketball should be played, and it's it's a lot of fun. You know, the kids get to play, but then the coaches now get to play a little bit like, all right, what are they doing? Are we switching this up real quick? Um, But I'm curious to to hear your perspective on this kind of through your kids because, you know, for those that don't know, they're listening to the show. Keenan has been super successful, I believe, eight state championships in their time. Gray has been obviously extremely successful, a fairly new school, won three state state championships in a row. And so these kids know right. each other, right? They kind of they grow up, they play 
club ball, AAU ball. They traveled all the time with each other. And now going into a game where they know that against a good coach and adjustments are going to be made. But what's the kid perspective being able to play against those kids that they've known for so long and then also knowing that this quarter is going to be it's, a tough um, It's actually pretty interesting because there's a lot of guys that are like they, they, they hang out. I don't know if this is a, it's a city thing. I'm from the country, so we didn't really hang out with the guys that we played against. But here in Columbia, it's kind of like a fraternity. Those like those guys hang out. Like it's Ridgeview guys hanging with great guys and Keenan guys hanging with great guys. But on the court, it's um it was interesting because they grew up playing together on AAU teams. And I felt like our kids though, because it was Keenan and they didn't want to lose, it was always that edge. So that game, they specifically played with an edge. Um, as I look now, I think to our team now, I always see our guys hanging out with guys from AC floor, <laughs> Brooklyn Casey, or like y'all dudes are, it's different, man. It's a different time. I can name a team that I was playing in high school that I want to hang out with anybody on. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, I think our kids, they, they took it. Um, and Keenan too, too, those guys, they weren't backing down. It was a game that they were competing. I mean, anytime we play Ridgeview, we know we got to lace it up. Coach Stone, it's going to be a good game. But it's it's those those rivalries in the city. It's a lot of good basketball here in Columbia. I mean, it's a football state, but I would have to say Columbia is the basketball mecca of South Carolina. Uh-oh, he's throwing the gauntlet down to the beach. To the I, upper I mean, state, whatever. He's throw, he just threw it down. The proof is in the pudding, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I think Thomas Ryan would have something to say about that. Well, yeah, he, he wanted <laughs> – 5A for sure. Um, I played in high school. Coach Ryan was at Aiken High when I was at Silver Bluff, so I got to play coach a couple times. Okay. <laughs> that was a great job, but you're right. I mean, it's – and, it's, again, no disrespect to other parts of South Carolina, but yeah. top to bottom, good, goodness gracious. I mean – If you look at it, man. It's unreal what's going on in Columbia. Uh, uh, it has been gray, for a while. Yeah, gray 2A, uh, Keenan 3A, and Ridgeview the last three years in 4A. They moved up to 5A, and they're getting ready to make another run. So that's going to be and, good. And what's really amazing is some of these schools uh, overcome terrible athletic administration. Oh, absolutely. Like can, Ridgeview being that one. When, yeah. they, can, when they can do that, that's a, yeah. that is a real. That guy would get a clue over there, figure out how to put that money, but. You know. He's got to hire a football coach. Let's see if he does as good. He's got a listen. He's got a reputation to uphold after his basketball yeah. hire. I mean, right. he, Coach Rose, hey, Rose is getting it done, man, on all levels, man. Proud of him. We'll uh, see. We'll see I, if he I hires. If he gets Coach like, Muschamp over there at <laughs> <Ridgeview> <laughs> High School, you never know. You never know, Coach Muschamp. It was good to talk to you the other day. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I've got my teeth wiping up sweat, filling up water bottles, and now I'm doing a good job of putting buses in. You know, maybe we'll hire another. <laughs> you know, hey, he's doing a great job, though, man. He, he getting this road built for us out here on hard scrabble. He cleaning it up for me, so it's, it's it's a beautiful thing. I'm proud of all the progress he's bringing over here. <laughs> You're welcome for that four years of inconvenience. <laughs> What were they redoing the road out by the school, Brian? Oh my yeah, god, it's a perpetual project. <laughs> yeah, if I don't leave out my house by seven. I gotta go past at least three uh crossing guards. Rosefield got two at his school. I don't know why, but <laughs> I mean, how many inches we got to the place? <laughs> One of those is just for me, just to get me in. <laughs> well, listen, when I when I left Col- when I left Columbia eleven years ago. I- didn't take a genius to figure out they were going to need to widen some roads out there with the way, the way that population was growing. Seriously, like 
Oh yeah, it's it definitely on something. Ice. That was an old country road when I first lived there. Yeah, to Ridgeview High School. It <laughs> might as well go ahead and make it an interstate because uh, <laughs> yeah, more houses still out there. Yeah, we got a four lane road coming out there, man. I appreciate the roads for everything you're doing. <laughs> Always looking out for you. Brandon, tell us, uh, you've only been coaching a couple of years now. We talked, we've talked a lot about Rick Duckett, who uh, has some great sayings and phrases. What's a phrase you think uh, your kids would say that you say a lot? That was a lot of words there. <laughs> um, it's actually, it's still one of Coach Duckett's. I just ask, are you going to help us today? <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I, I come to you Pretty pregame. Simple. Yeah, I come to you pregame. And I'm going to ask you, are you going to help us today? <laughs> I just need to know before I tell Coach to put you in. just need to know where you're at right now. <laughs> but Coach Duckett, he does a lot for it, man. I, I, I see a lot of stuff. But that one in particular. Are you going to help? I like that, Ryan. I like the, that. You, the, my, my favorite one was uh, – my boy Mitchell Carter, another person I felt sorry for too. But coach used to ask me, did he feel like he was stealing? <laughs> <laughs> wow. I haven't, I haven't used that one yet because I think that's too high school kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but if I get to that college level, please believe I will bring that one back. <laughs> you are just stealing money. <laughs> Y'all remind me, I I don't remember him like absolutely losing it on kids, but I just remember the one-liners. Am I right in remembering that? He just never really was a yeller. It was just the the cutting comments. He uh, used to get on Gerard my freshman year. Gerard okay. used to get the blunt of it a lot of times. He would roll him pretty hard. Um, but that was it. I mean, the, I as though the one-liners cut deep. <laughs> I have a vague memory of his, of him's voice raising, and I don't remember where it was. I remember one time Coach Nestor lost it, really? and it was so out of character for Coach Nestor. Like he just he just blew his top one time. Finally, just had it. I don't know who it was with, or but just started laying into people, and he was just like, "Wow, Coach Nestor's just killing people." Yeah, I think Coach, like Brian said, Coach. Coach. Coach Duckett was pretty even keel. It was the one-liners that hit. Um, he would just ask you a question, and even would make you feel bad. <laughs> and I remember Barry got hyped in one pregame speech. Maybe we were playing Tennessee at home. It was at home, and he got crazy hyped in the locker room. I think he, like, tore a button on his shirt. Like, Yeah. <laughs> it was Tennessee. Tennessee. Um, who was the coach before uh, Pearl got there? Uh, what's his face? Jordan's uh, boy. Buzz Peterson. Buzz Peterson. Yeah, I think it was one. Yeah, I, yeah, I remember that. But yeah, I don't. I, like I said, I have one memory of Coach Duckett's voice getting written. Like it was scary again because yeah. he didn't lose it a lot. So when he lost it, he was really yeah. he was mad. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. He's been bringing some really good stuff on Twitter about once every week or so. So we're we're due for another one. But uh, Rick at Rick Duckett four on Twitter. He's, he is a, now a good follow on Twitter. Just like you can't change something bad by giving it a good name. Just some real simple ducketisms. Effort may be better than potential, but never confuse effort with results. I, I love it. Rick Duckett at Rick Duckett four. So that's just kind of the wisdom that he drops, man. That's right. it just makes sense. <laughs> we got to get him a cover photo on his Twitter page, but Hey, that's where, um, we got him tweeting, so that's that's good. It's been yeah. 
baby. The world needs that. That's right. That's right. Well, Brandon Wallace, this has been a lot of fun and uh, we really appreciate you coming on the show and uh, sharing what's your journey and, and what you've learned along the way and uh, know that you're making a difference in a lot of kids' lives over there at Cray and even around the city of Columbia. So really, really appreciate you coming on the show, man. Hey, man, I really appreciate y'all for having me, man. It's always good to connect with friends and always good to see you guys doing well, man. I'm proud of you. Thank y'all for having me. Well, thanks. Thanks. And we're going to do this. We, we said it early on, but let's go ahead and put it out there in the universe now. We are going to have an NIT group call and do the greatest games around one or both of the NIT championships. So go ahead and, and get the word out to your guys. The rest of the I guys got to get the guys and the coaches. We'll have uh, even down to the managers. We don't care. We, we got all the room with, that we can handle here on Zoom. So that'd be a lot of fun. I want to soon. So I think that'd be fun to reminisce a little bit about those trips and maybe some of the behind the scenes stories that maybe <laughs> we don't even know. So, um, we might have to put that E on that. There's a statute of limitations on some of those stories. <laughs> right. <laughs> we got right, to make sure that we're out of that. But uh, anyway. yeah, New York. New York was a different place, man. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up until that time comes. For my co host, Chris de Blasio, I am Brian Rosefield, and thank you for listening to this episode of The Greatest Games.